Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 283. And I'm going to take a slight variation on answering the troubleshooting things that I've been getting because a lot of them kind of fall under a little bit of an umbrella on something. And so I, I'm going to talk about that something as opposed to a specific question and a specific problem. And I would have to say that the topic that I'm going to uh, go through a little bit today is what I would have to say is the most powerful training tool for you that you have with uh, almost anything, but certainly any of the dogs that are and the people that are listening to this, the most powerful training tool you have to go do whatever it is you're doing, as opposed to this training thing. Well, I always said the walk. The walk on, on puppies is probably, in terms of the, one of the most powerful training things uh, anybody could do with any dog of any breed um, as a puppy. Uh, that, that, in terms of a training tool, a training aspect, is that is the single most powerful thing. But the most powerful thing for you as the trainer about you is is going to be patience. Now that is really disappointing to, <laughs> to hear. I know it. Patience because what what sells the most things, what brings the most people to your seminars and podcasts and all of that, what what brings the greatest attention is that list of three things or seven things or ten things that you can go do that are going to change everything for you. That's the magic thing to make getting attention and money and I understand that I've never been able to make myself do it tried just can't <laughs> I just have to stay with what I actually believe and have practiced always and I would say that one of the most powerful things that I I've used and people that have been around me I think can vouch for this is patience as opposed to a specific kind of enforcement policy, a certain kind of reward policy, a certain any of those things is which is what people really like to talk about. Um, you know, positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, and there's all the names for all that stuff. You know, and I just can't for the life of me always remember what the cool training people say because I just don't live in the same world. Um, so I, it's just patience, which again, I know it's, it can be disappointing because patience isn't something you can go do three times in a row and it's going to do this or that. Okay. It's, it's a little bit different. So in animal training, and I don't care what kind, I don't care whether you're training a cat, <laughs> that would take, that takes extraordinary. Uh, I can't even go there. That's more patience than, than that's very difficult, but training dogs, um, and training horses, because the person ultimately I learned this from in the dog world with me was uh, started and was uh, superb in the in the horse world, and that's where that's where I got this. So I know that it applies to to a lot of things, and it's patience. Now, patience. First thing is something comes in your mind when I say that. Well, patience. That means you just wait and wait and wait and wait, and that is not. That's just waiting. <laughs> that's 
that's not what I'm talking about. And it's not, well, you know, just keep trying, doing the same thing over and over again if it doesn't work. Just keep doing, you know, no, that's what's supposed to be the definition of insanity, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. None of that's not what I'm talking about with patience. What I'm talking about with that is when you're interacting with your animal, or anything else for that matter, but when you are interacting with your animal, you are in your own head and you are, you have a picture, you have a thing, an expectation, you know, you've done this before and it works like this and so it needs to work like this again. You have, you have an expectation, a picture, you know, call it whatever you want. And so that's how you go into this. Now, how your animal, and we're going to talk about dogs here, how your animal is, they, they also, if you've worked with them for a while and do things with them consistently, then they also have a sort of a dog expectation. They're not like us, but they have learned by patterns, right? They learn by patterns. They learn by, by repetition and patterns. And when every time you come in with this kind of body language and, and this kind of energy, then this is usually what happens. This is usually the nature of the interaction. That's what they know. They know that. And when your voice hits a certain intensity level, right, or a decibel level, or like people like to say, you have to have a firm voice, right? So when it hits that certain firmness level, then that triggers something that they know. Then they understand, oh boy, this is going to happen. Sometimes they're going to be mad. Sometimes they're going to be just mean. I could, you know, sometimes it means they're just going to give up and all this nonsense will end. So that's what's happening on the dog side of this deal, right? You've created the, what they expect. And so it's almost like I always say, a little bit more of a dance step between the two of you than it is actually making progress in the direction of something and moving on past where you are now to a new spot, if that makes sense. But I, I, I just so wish people would go into anything you do with your dog. I don't care y'all are just going for a walk, you know, down the block and through the park and back, or whether you're, you know, doing some very serious training. Or you're in the upland field. A lot of people listening to me on this, they're in the upland field. Is instead of going out there with your set of expectations, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what I want to have happen. And you're just like have also this four-legged thing that's incidental to what's in your head. They're just supposed to deliver to your expectations. And they know, based on the state you are coming in, very likely how this is going to go. When they're like that, they are not in much of a learning state. They are in a, okay, we're tap dancing today. Let me get my shoes on. A lot of truth to that, but it, you have to be really sort of very self-aware and, and able to realize stuff on this. So the first aspect to using patience in your favor is, one, just be aware of what you've got going in your head before you get going. And to me, that just seems so obvious. You know, there's nothing. If you're a surgeon and you're going to go in and do some open-heart surgery on somebody, there's a whole lot of preparation, not only literally on the 
palpation and the tools and all that is you've got a you know I, I've never done open heart surgery so I'm just sort of winging this but right you've got to be aware of where the suspected problem is how do I get in there what do I need to do is this person 300 pounds overweight so it's going to be difficult to get down to this are they old and ancient and and I have to be so careful that I don't just kill them because I'm operating on them. So many things that you have to think about. Now that's a life and death serious thing. You know when you're driving somewhere, right? Let's get something. Well, it's still life and death, but you, is there gas in the car? Do I know how to drive? Do I have the keys? You know, does the battery charge? Does the light work? Do I know how to get out of where I am and head in the direction I'm going to? You do have to have that in your head before you just start doing things and it is very very true particularly when you're working with another living thing you know whether it's a human in a relationship or whether it's a canine in a relationship or an equine or a sheep or anything else you know you it, it, it's very good if you be you get prepared for what you're going to do and you get it in your head so I don't know how many millions of times when I've been working with people and we're about ready to go, they're going to do something. And I go, okay, so what are you thinking? <laughs> and then I get the look again. He's like, what are you, I'm going to go do this such and such. Like, I know, but what are you thinking? You know, what, where, where are you with this? A person should be able to answer that question. A person should be, when you go out with your animal, if you only train one, or maybe you train a couple, or if you're like some of us who train, go out and train 16, 18 of them, you don't go out and do the same thing 16 or 18 times in a row. You go out and do what is the best thing for this one particular dog that you're going to go do right now. And if you only have one, that's a luxury. So you can sit there and go, all right, how has this gone in the past few days? What has this dog told me? All right, where are they in their head? Where am I? You know, am I still mad from the argument last night with the neighbor? Or am I cool because everything is fine and I'm ready to go out and, and I'm open and receptive to the situation and reading what's happening and doing all that? Okay, that's that, that kind of pre-thought itself takes a lot of patience because you've got to know, okay, i got to give this just a few minutes. Let me get this right in my head. If you do things like that, your dog... You've taken the the memorized dance step out, so they're not just going to respond. Oh, I, that tone of voice, that body language, that intensity. All right, get ready to kind of resist because you're not going to really understand what's happening, and maybe it whatever it is that works for them. You're you're removing that entirely. You know, then the dog is just going, okay, what's up? You know, I don't I don't see the dance step starting, so I don't know. Let's see what happens. That is going to be a better student for you. That dog is going to learn a lot better. If you're walking in there, not already starting the dance step you always go through, but by becoming really aware of yourself, what it is you'd like to work on, what this dog has told you the last three or four days you worked, including yesterday, and so how am I going to approach this today? The other thing to do in the patient's category is now just look at the dog. I've always said that, you know, when you get them out of the yard, the kennel, the house, the truck, whatever you're done, because you're going to go do something, they tell you exactly their state of mind. They tell you, you know, where they are, what they're thinking, what they're thinking about you, if they're thinking at all. <laughs> they're just go completely 
enamored with, you know, the, the rabbit poop that's all over. Watch that, right? Pay attention to that. Pay attention to that. That's very useful because that's what you respond to. Not just driving that, okay, we're going to go out, we're going to work on this, and I got these three steps that I've learned I need to do, and I'm going to go do them. You know, if you got three good steps, good, but let's get everything ready ahead of time before we go in and do our open heart surgery, right? Just if you do that kind of thing. Before I keep going on that one, let me just say something, because I've, I've seen this so many times. If you work around, if you work with somebody who's very good in your mind, a pro that's actually very good. A lot of times if you watch people that that are relatively accomplished at whatever it is you're working on with your dog, and you don't see them do that. You see them, you know, a matter of fact, my favorite part, when it's a pro or, you know, and somebody brings in their next dog and they just take them and just get going and then, you know, take, get rid of that, get the next one. And they, you know, and that just seems so cool, doesn't it? It just seems so cool. It's like, it's like automated dog training and automated dog training is not really effective you know if the dogs just need to go run this set of marks over here um, you know that's what's going to happen but it's a lot more effective with each individual dog if whoever's running them just takes a little bit of a reading on them okay where are they what are they thinking what are they doing now there's a reason too that I'm saying this not just because I'm you know this is just some weird idea that I have you know and, and I've, I've been at, at when I ran a truckload of dogs people always said would you like me to bring you dogs and stuff and I, I my answer was always no it was always no and not because I don't want anyone else touching the dogs it is because between the truck and wherever I was going to the holding blinds the airing and all that that was very important time to me you know and if we're in a hurry I'm still going to do that you know, if they have to wait a little bit, then they shouldn't have, you know, made me run the other stake and then come over here and run this one. But I'm just saying that I would never let anyone just bring me the dog because then I didn't know. I didn't couldn't feel where they were. You know, are they a little overexcited and I need to kind of bring them down? Or are they a little mopey because they're tired? Something, you know, does a foot hurt? Is there a, a seed in their eye? I always wanted to know that. Because that stuff's important. That's some of the patients I'm talking about. But there's more to it, right? So before you take engage anything with your dog, if you can, if you have that ability, be aware, one, of yourself. How are you doing? Are you rushed? Are you real tense? Are, are you going to just start the dance step thing? Or are you going to just stop and find out what the situation is and then deal with exactly what you have? Because when you do that, that's what your dog does. And when you don't do that, they're just in the dance step. Okay, whenever they do that, you know, this is what I know happens. And I'm going to resist or become stubborn when people like to call them stubborn. It's usually because they're doing the dance step you taught them. And then you're all mad because they're doing it. So that's part of the patience. Now let me take the next part of the patience. When you are engaged, let's just say you're out working your dog on something. Basic obedience, wool breaking, force fetch, you know, pile works, I don't, casting, lining drills, whatever you're doing. When you are out and you are engaged in this and you came into it without the set of expectations with but a, an idea about where you were, you've noticed your dog, you see where they are, you know what it is, this, the couple things that you would really like to get done. 
today on this stuff. You know, it, this happened the last several times. So you like to take a little step back, review a couple things, then start moving forward so we're not just boring the heck out of them or just grinding on things. Okay, and then you start doing the work. And here's the other part of patience that I'm going to talk about that is really unpopular, particularly if you're around the, the tough guy dog trainers, my personal favorite, um, around the tough guy dog trainers, is that if you look at things like they're black and white, like they are right or wrong, and then you have to correct, I'm using air quotes on that, correct the dog when they do the wrong thing, and you have to reward or just let them not correct them, and that's their reward if they do the right thing. If you go in there with that real binary black and white thing, then your dog is going to basically kind of learn in a black and white way, which is, again, we're back on the dance step. If you look at everything as right or wrong, which is often what you do, okay, then whenever they're wrong, you correct. So that's why I have been asked, how do you correct, and it fill in the blank, what, uh, 10 billion things? And I, and I just never, ever have an answer for that. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how you correct it. Um, because that's where people are comfortable. Give me the three things I do when my dog does this. Here's where the patience part comes in. Am I saying let them get away with not giving you effort? No. Am I saying let them get away with not even engaging with you? No. I'm not saying any of that. Let them do the wrong thing? No. I'm not saying that. I am just saying when I have an idea how, what I would like to accomplish out of this, and I'm working with the dog. I, I give an example I just had last week. So I was helping someone learn how to teach their dog just to do some casting, some overs and some backs. That, that's all. And I'm just working on that. And the dog had never done this before, right? And so we had gotten the dog into a real good state of mind. We're kind of in an open learning mode. And, and then I... It, and I don't train this dog every day, so I don't have that real personal relationship that I love to have. Um, but so I had taken a little reading on her and stuff. And well, I was working. She did like two or three. She just learned it. I mean, it, she just picked up really well. You know, that was like, gosh, that this dog really, one, is willing, and two, has some brains to figure this stuff out. And then on like the second or third time I sent on a, a kind of a left back thing, I wasn't making it complicated. I just did some overs, then got those, and then just did a few backs, just turning one way or the other, working with her. And then on like the third or fourth one, the dog went and got the bumper and then just took off, took off running around, <laughs> just parading and, oh, happy and not coming back. And, and so I got my firm voice even, right, and called the dog, and she was just, no, no, right? Okay, that's frustrating for me. I'm not used to dogs doing that. But instead of being mad or going over to show her boss or to correct her, I'll tell you what I did, particularly with this one dog, is I just, she was doing her little parade. So I just got another bumper and was swirling it around right here. So that made me real tempting to come back to. And when I got her, right, I, when I got her, I got hold of her collar. Never chained, never got jerking around, never yelling, no anything. I didn't even say stuff. I just got her collar took the bumper that she was parading with out of her mouth, put her back in their little sit spot where I had been doing the casting from, took the bumper out, sat her down, threw that same back bumper 
and we did it again right there. And I would tell you, now this isn't going to work with every dog in the world, but it because I had evaluated and checked out this dog, it was nothing that she expected. You know, there was no emotion, there was no correction, there was no stuff. I just stopped her celebration, and I brought her back, and I sat her down. And then, probably felt very serious standing there facing me a little bit. And then she went, and she did that again. And so, it was a patience thing. And then she did the casting, and then I, I just the first day of casting, I didn't even have to say anything. I could just use the hand signal, and she would go do the stuff. So that, I really got to thinking about patience on this one because I said, this is going to be a lot more key with this dog. If anybody tells you, all right, whenever she does that, you need to let her have it. And I, and I would say, no, it was, she thinks all of a sudden I want to party because she's doing something new and fun and feels real successful. <laughs> That's a good thing. I'm glad she's happy. She just can't not come back to me. But I just required that she do it unceremoniously with no emotion, with no anything. And so we just ended the party and went back to work again. And she went, oh, okay. All right. So was she being a bad dog? No. She was just doing this new thing and it was so cool. And then she felt really happy. <laughs> so, so I get that. But so I told her the next time when you say, if you do this stuff with her, make sure you go and do a lot of this stuff up front. So she's taking you very seriously. You know, don't, we don't want her thinking that you just party right in the middle of doing something new. And we just made her continue to work, which was very effective with that dog. When you can use the patience route and the non-emotional and the non-punishment route, when you can, there's times where you got to get after them and stuff. I understand. I totally agree with that. But that's just not how you, okay, you always, whenever a dog does something and that you think is wrong, correct them. There are times where that's exactly the right thing to do. And there are times where if you just understand what's happening right there and just don't let what's happening continue to happen and go back to your normal business, many, many times that will get you out of things. When dogs um, do refusals, when dogs do cast refusals, again, no dog wants to get in trouble. No dog wants electricity. No dog wants you in the stick or any of that kind of stuff. Before you start correcting them, See if you can figure any kind of reason they might do that. If they get out there at 120 yards and then you can't get them to go any further back or you can't get them to go to the left or into the wind or whatever it is, all right, maybe you should spend a little more time teaching that stuff before you start correcting that stuff. And I can just absolutely guarantee you, absolutely guarantee you that the vast majority of the time that will be the better answer. Because no dog is going, oh, heck with you. Just lay the collar on me. That'll Then I won't do this anymore. That is not what they're doing. I'm not saying they're, when they don't give you effort, when an animal does not give you effort, it is because you let them think they could do that. It is not anything else. So somewhere in all the things that you've done, that dog has been able to get away with going, eh, I don't really feel like doing this, or I don't like it, or I don't want it, and it worked for them, which opens the door for them making choices on their own. So if you don't want them to make choices on their own, don't ever let them learn that that's an option. 
And if they don't learn it's an option, then you don't have to correct stuff when they start making choices on their own. But so many problems in dog training initiate right at this point, right here, where you've allowed a bunch of stuff to happen. And then, I don't know, maybe you get, you're training with other people and you got to be, you know, a little more demanding. You've got to raise your standards or you got to do what everybody else is doing. So then you get after the dog and the dog doesn't respond at all because they're like, what? What the heck happened? You know, now you change the dance step here. <laughs> I don't understand what, and then you get mad and then what's wrong with that darn dog, right? And then some expert is going to tell you how to go correct that. And who needs correcting is the person who taught the dog. Sometimes you get to make choices on your own. And then if someone's around, you can't. And if you make me look bad, I'm going to come after you. And now we're going to create other issues. A dog getting in trouble for something or getting some kind of correction or enforcement that it doesn't understand or isn't getting the message that you think it is, now think something else you don't want it thinking. And depending on the dog, that could be all kinds of things. Like, hey, just run away. Or just sit down and never move. Or just go back to the truck. Or just do something because you don't know what's... There's so many, again, depending on the dog, how when they get misunderstood signals from you, stuff that they don't get, what are they supposed to do with that? And it isn't that darn dog. It's that, that darn dog's trainer who didn't pay enough attention to what they were doing with the dog to see that they actually started this problem two weeks ago. When they let the dog just opt out of something because it didn't understand, and they went, oh, we'll just come back tomorrow. One of my favorite ones of that is people that run a blind and then run it again because they'll learn. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. No, they're, they're learning something. That it's not what you think. And so I'm, this dog didn't ha know how to do this blind at all, so I'll make him do it five times, then he will. All right? Nope. When a dog doesn't know how to run a blind, then you haven't taught them the pieces of that blind that are difficult and how to deal with it, and that's why they can't run the blind. So you can run it five times. They just are learning to go back to the same place over and over again when you do that. But it takes a lot of self-evaluation, and that's not something that everybody really wants to do. So patience, I have found many times, many times when I have been training a dog and just confused about what to do, not sure. You know, and my first thing isn't let's push the button and yell a lot. Um, when I'm a little bit confused, I'm going to stop and take a step back mentally and try to see what happened that I missed before. But the thing I'm going to do is I'm not going to go after and cream this dog because, well, that's what everybody does. I'm going to think about that for a little bit and find out where I made the mistake. Now, that's hard to do. It's not fun. And it doesn't fall into the five easy steps to do this because you do have to know the steps to go through. But equally, equally important to that is where am I undertaking this process and where is this dog undertaking this process? And if you can always just take a little step back and think about that and have awareness, listen to what the dog is telling you. Do not assume evil and it is not black and white. Dog training, human relationships are not binary and black and white. They are multifaceted, 
to a large degree. And the more that you can get in that and understand it, and instead of hurting an animal or punishing an animal, um, if you need to, go back and do some more teaching first. Take the responsibility yourself. Take the time to understand that this dog is just exhibiting what life has taught them they are and how to be. And if you don't like what that is, you can't pound it or shock it out of them. You need to replace it with a new kind of thinking and a new kind of thing. And that takes time. And frankly, it takes respect for that animal to force yourself to take the responsibility for that and take the time, back off, do a little more teaching. Again, please don't read this wrong. I'm not saying let them do the wrong thing over and over. No, don't ever let them do the wrong thing. I mean, that's the best thing is to never let them learn what the wrong thing is. But also understand that they, they don't want trouble, they don't want wrong, and that take the time to try and figure out what they're telling you. And sometimes if you don't know, then just stop things from being so bad and go, go back to a teaching position and start at more of a basic thing. And even though that's not the tough guy, cool, I'm a big time, I know what I'm doing kind of a thing, in the end, it pays off most of all. That's why I do it. Most of all. Get the best results. You don't create new problems, mouth problems, this and that, that people are going to have to deal with. You and your dog have this understanding. You don't have a dance routine. You have an understanding. And, you got, and the dog trusts you, and you trust the dog. And you only get that through patience and awareness. So that's why I think in terms of animal training, my experience has been that's the biggest, biggest help I've ever had. Not about how do you crunch these guys to make them do what you want. Oh, you can do that if you want. I would be of no help to you whatsoever. So that's today's. Bitter cold outside. We got snow. Um, hunting's been really good for the most part that I can tell. Just stay safe. Keep your dog in shape. Keep them hydrated. Keep your first aid kit with you for the dog and for yourself. And uh, really have an excellent, excellent uh, hunting season. And I will be back soon.